it's never perfect. There's always problems. It was like yeah. that when I worked in adult literacy and the, the frameworks. We were always complaining about the frameworks. But at the end of the day, you've got to have some frameworks. Yeah, agree. Well, all I ask is that we acknowledge that let's not stay still. Let's not have stasis. That's all. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to Coach Street, the premium podcast that brings you insider coaching conversations from the fast lane. When coaches need to shift gears, they come to the Coach Street podcast. Grab a coffee and buckle your seatbelts as host Andrea Lee from The Wealthy Thought Leader and Robin Logan from Coach Campus learn what drives the world's most successful coaches. Hi everyone, welcome back to Coach Street, episode 12, and I'm here with my host, Andrea Lee. Hi, Andrea. Episode 12, that's a dozen. That's a dozen, I know. And next time we'll container. be a, a baker's dozen next time. Yeah, good one. We'll have to make special, number 13 can be really special. But this is pretty special too, because well, this one is on credentialing and certification. How do you like them apples? Good. I like them with caramel on it, if possible. <laughs> with caramel. I know. We need to do something to sugarcoat it because really there's a lot of debate in the field and a lot of debate with our new students on certification, credentials, and look, not even debate. I'd say going back a step, a lot of confusion. You have to understand it before you can debate it, right? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Touché. Well, so what is certification and what is credentialing? Shall we start there? Yes. Okay. So certification is a certificate that you get at the end of a course. And you can get that certificate from your training provider. So if you go to a university, you'll get a certificate. If you go to a short course, you can get a certificate. If you go to a scuba diving course, you can get a certificate. And that certificate will be from the school or the training company that delivered the training. Credentialing is, I don't even know if it's used in the same way in other professions, but in coaching, a credential is something given out by the peak body, the ICF, International Coach Federation, and it's little letters beside your name that designate a certain level and expertise in coaching. So in Australia, a great example is the AMA, the Australian Medical Association. That's a peak body and you can apply to them to be credentialed with them. So accountants have the same thing. That's, that's my understanding, but let's have another, let's have another go at that with your perspective on those two definitions. Actually, in this case, let's shock and awe our listeners when we have complete agreement. <laughs> as to the definitions now when as we move into the topic you might find some sparks flying but as far as what they actually are yeah that's a great way to describe it yeah okay that's good you know there's a third term as well which I'm going to go right in now and describe too and that's accreditation mm -hmm. that's also something that's confusing so there's there's actually three terms here that co new coaches need to get their heads around if they're trying to understand this one is certification one is credentialing and the other is accreditation. And I do see them used all incorrectly all over the place. Mm -hmm. Accreditation is something that happens to a program, not an individual. So a program can be accredited. So for example, in the coaching profession, 
We have the ICF, the International Coach Federation, the peak body, and schools can apply to the ICF to have their program accredited. So it's not even the school that's accredited. This is something that a lot of people are not clear on. A school is not accredited. An individual is not accredited. It's the program that's accredited. So a coach training school might have 12 programs and only one or two are accredited. Mm-hmm. And the process to get that accreditation is quite rigorous. It's very similar here in Australia to what you need to go through to get an RTO status, which is a recognised training organisation. It takes, well, it took us about 12 months, I think, when we first applied. Many years ago, we were, I think, one of the first, if not the first uh, school in Australia to be have a program accredited. And it's quite a detailed process. You need to submit, as a school, your curriculum to the ICF and what they do is they map that across their competencies. So they've decided, there's another word, competencies, but they've decided, okay, these so many competencies here that we've listed, we think these are what makes a good coach. You know, the ability to listen actively, the ability to ask powerful questions, whatever those competencies are. The ICF will look at the curriculum of the school, map it against the competencies and decide whether it is adequate. They also will look at your faculty, look at the trainers, look at their experience and background and decide whether that's adequate. Then they look at the professional development plan of the school. So the school needs to have something in place where trainers are always being developed and nurtured. And then they'll look at your systems for student management, your accountability. They'll do audits and make sure that your record keeping is accurate they look at the assessment and make sure that maps across okay. It's quite a big process, and that will result in a program getting accredited. Yeah, and How's so from the- you, are you still here, or did you have to go and lie down? Now? <laughs> <laughs> so, from the perspective of a coach, I think the important thing here is to ask that point blank question: like, what's the benefit of getting certified or taking a program that is accredited, um, yeah. or any of this? Like, what? Why does this matter to? A new coach or even a, a veteran coach who's thinking of you know getting a uh, you know a graduate level or an advanced coach yeah. training okay so Robin draws a big breath and prepares to answer <laughs> <laughs> okay I think well look I'm very interested to hear what you think about this as well my answer to that is it doesn't matter in many pla- in many cases it doesn't matter and in many other cases it does matter so for, for me speaking as the CEO of a coach training school, I think it matters a lot and I think it's very important. And my reasons for that are that I think coaching as a profession, because it's not, uh, because it's not what's that word, you know, like counselling and therapy. It doesn't have a sort of governing, a, a sort of governing body. And, yeah. You know, that kind yeah, of thing. Be, yeah, because it's not, doesn't have that, then it's really important that there are policy guidelines and ethics that can be upheld and the ICF there's also there's lots of other which we can get onto later but there are other alternatives to the ICF like the IAC and different other organizations but the ICF is one place that does that and it's the largest and it's global and so I support the ICF in developing all the things that they do to make sure that coaching as a profession is the best that it can be and has the most integrity possible and make sure that all the coaches that are coaching are doing the very best by their clients. So I totally support it. And we do a lot of work to support the ICF and always have done for that reason. 
And that's also the reason we chose to align with them when we were choosing how we, how we would set up our training. Because, you know, we could have chosen to align with, say, in Australia, it's called the Cert 4 and an RTO. We could have chosen to align with all sorts of different bodies that every country's got for their training or qualifications training frameworks. They differ in all countries. We specifically chose the ICF at International Coach Academy because it's global and coaching is a global profession. Most of our graduates coach over the phone and we encourage them to, to be global because it's a much bigger market for clients. So it therefore stands to reason that having a global accrediting body or peak body is a good way to go. And secondly, because they're the most developed with the largest number of members, that was the second reason. And the third reason, we just think it's that the work they do is really great. So that's my answers for why it's important mm-hmm. and why we chose to align with that. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely in a meta level, as somebody who used to work at uh, a coach training company who was part of the founding group that, you know, brought together a different certifying body than the main one, ICF, I will say I, I agree. I think it's really important that we support the structures and organizations that lend credibility in the public eye to our profession. From a practicing coach perspective, I've never been certified. I actually helped to write some of the exams. I had, you know, the experience and the, the you know, the kind of hands-on uh, opportunity to be grandfathered into the certification, but I chose not to. Um, mm-hmm. It's not because I don't have respect for it. It's simply because I knew that starting that process for me meant that each year I'd have this dilemma of do I renew my certification? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I my my personality is one that just does it. I'm not good with rules and authority. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I have managed to choose and build several iterations of businesses that involve coaching and never been certified. So yeah. I'm, I represent the other side of the spectrum and there are reasons and time uh, seasons, reasons and seasons to go for certification or not go for certification. Um, that's probably the most politically correct way I can put it, Robin. Look, I think for someone like you, <laughs> I can totally see that there's not a need to be credentialed at particularly at this point, really. And I think that you could even say as a rule of thumb that the more experienced you are and, you know, the more seasoned you are as a coach and the the older older your business is, the longer you've been in business, probably the less need there is to get credentialed in particular markets. So your market also is is one where it's probably not necessary in the small business Mm -hmm. market. But I think that Definitely for new coaches. If I was starting now today and I was a new coach, I would do it any. I would do it because to me it's a no-brainer. Why not do it? Mm-hmm. It's a really great thing to get that that certification. And the other thing is that it is becoming more and more recognized. Like, for example, I heard a story the other day about someone working with the Department of Defense in Canberra, which is our capital city here in Australia, and they were introducing a corporate coach training program And the Department of Defense would only employ coaches who are ICF certified. Definitely. That's happening more and more. And it's understandable. It really is understandable. The difficulty with my position, I'd say, in the debate that is so, so frequent is that, you know what, 
you know, just because I'm, you know, I consider myself an upstanding coach of, you know, deep integrity and sometimes can get a little self-righteous sounding because I feel so strongly about doing things well on behalf of Mm -hmm. our profession and being an upstanding coach. Not everybody is like that. And so the coaching profession, the word coach, the word coaching can easily be co-opted by people who um, are not of that same ilk. Yes. So um, yes. I totally support what you're saying, Robin. Well, I was very surprised to hear that because I couldn't believe they even knew about the ICF. But that just tells you as well how far their reach is now. And also they've done a lot of work over the last 10 years outside of the US because that was another weakness in the early days. Mm-hmm. You know, They didn't really have any good chapters in Asia-Pacific. But for a new coach, if I was coming in now and moving into coaching, so just say I'm, I could have maybe have been a consultant for the last 20 years and now I want to add coaching, to me it's just an added value, you know, a value add to what you're already – you're already going to get training as a coach. Mm-hmm. So why not choose a school that offers you the ICF credential as well so that you can put those letters after your name because for whatever reason, clients love that and, and it gives them a way of – judging quality when they have no other way they can look and say oh okay that person's got a mcc or a pcc so here's the question i have for you and this is putting you on the spot which i love and i know what our listeners are here (laughs) not for the same old stuff but you know i think one of my main difficulties with certification and accreditation in fact is so long as it seems to me from the outside a coach training organization is willing to fulfill certain requirements for paperwork and hours, it seems like almost anybody can get accredited or, you know, a person, as long as they take a course and pay the money and do jump through certain hoops, they can get certified. It That it doesn't actually necessarily reflect the total picture when it comes to skill as a coach or uh, excellence in a coach training company. Now, Mm -hmm. ICA is one of the best schools, if not really right at the top, the best schools, in my opinion, but it's not because you're accredited. So how, what would you say, Robin, like, it's not necessarily or not only because you're accredited, let's put it that way. My question to you would be, if you listen to me, I'm really putting you on the spot, aren't I? (laughs) No, that's not, I'm up for it. (laughs) I know you are, I know you are, which is why I'm asking, is you know, when people are shopping for a school, mm-hmm. like how can you tell that you're, they, the school is really one of the good ones? Speaking, of course, from your position, like it's more yeah, than I just would ask that them, I would yeah. ask the school yeah. how many students fail. That's okay. what I would ask. That is such an amazing question. And you will get I, the schools that say none because we're so good, no one fails. Bum, bum, wrong answer. Right. Because the answer is, well, we do have some students from time to time who don't pass. So my answer, if someone asks me how many students fail, we do have students from time to time who don't pass the final assessment, which is supervised coach. Supervised coach is where you bring a client, a real client, to the call and you coach the client and you're supervised by a high-level coach who's an MCC or PCC coach themselves. And you're supervised against the competencies and sometimes you will fail that. But we don't kick you out. It's not that sort of fail. We look at, okay, so where are you falling short? And then we put in place a plan to develop your skills further in that area and you might have to repeat some practicum classes and then try again for your supervised. 
So that's the first thing I'd look at is how many students fail. And look, you know, not to bag other schools, but yeah, it is an issue that I think some schools do just pass everybody. But that happens. I mean, that's happening in universities now. Like it's happening everywhere because, you know, government funding's tied to outcomes. There's really a vested interest in pushing students out and there's no vested interest in failing them. It's an issue in all of education and training, not just in coach training. Mm-hmm. So I look, listening for a really candid answer about what happens when coach, you know, students of a coach training company don't get their certification, I think that's such a, I, I, honestly, I, I'm so limited in my experience in this area that that is, strikes me like a lightning bolt as really a transparent and yet very fair and very reasonable question and very revealing, like the way that a school answers that question mm-hmm. undoubtedly is going to tell you if they're really up to no good and just passing everybody. Yeah. Or, you know, that it's a sincere endeavor to keep the bar high as far as quality. Yes. And, yeah. um, you know, if you're thinking about getting that certification, know that you're going to have support. You're not just, you know, signing up for a school who just wants your, your tuition mm-hmm. and whatever at the end. You know, that's beautiful. You have I mean, opened other, my yeah. eyes, Ms. Logan. <laughs> well, the other part, there's another answer to that as well, with your question, which is, you know, it does does training, certification, credentials, do they necessarily tie in with skill? Are these things mutually exclusive? And once again, my answer to that would be in all training. In all training, that does not hold true. Mm-hmm. But in all training and in all education, it is probably the best framework we have as educators to try and make that true. Mm-hmm. But if you take like a landscape architect, for example, you can take a landscape architect, you can put them through three, four years of, of education, they can get a qualification at the end. Then you can have another landscape architect who's not, not done a single bit of training or education, doesn't have a piece of paper, but was working as an apprentice or worked for their father or mother's landscape architecture firm for 15 years. And you can put both those landscape architects in your backyard and there might not be any difference. Or it might be that the one that didn't have the training is actually better than the one that had the training. Mm -hmm. So this whole thing about, you know, practice-based learning and, you know, doing, doing training for the sake of a piece of paper, this is the case everywhere. And what I would say to that is if you're new and you're looking for coach training, also ask about the practice the how how much how the theory connects with the practice and what the school does to make sure the theory connects with the practice and the other thing is just stay away from those schools that say icf certified you can get your pcc in you know 40 hours with you know three hours of this and you know faster quicker better it's not it's not better so that's the other answer to that yeah it's good. It's a good one. I, good. It's Ooh. good. Uh, sorry. I, I um, was deep in thought. You're making me <laughs> challenge so many assumptions. <laughs> challenge so many assumptions. Well, people do have a lot of assumptions about training. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And look, honestly, when if I'm going to choose a coach tomorrow, I'm, I will look at whether they're certified, but really and truly I'm just going to have a session with them and then – I don't really care about the piece of paper because it's going to be whether that coach is right for me. Mm-hmm. 
So that's the other part of the answer. But do I think coaches should get certified? Yeah, look, I would. I would. Why not? Here's what I would say to that, Robin. I support that, although I would never fault someone for not. It's a lot mm-hmm. of time and effort. It is, does cost money. If you are getting training anyway, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, I have a bias or two about the organization to get it from, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this is why you're seeing me partner with you and Coach Street. But the thing that I would say is it's not a substitute. Deciding to do that is not a substitute for getting out there on, on putting your feet on the ground and coaching real people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If the program that you're in is it's worth its salt, you will increase exponentially the amount of actual coaching you do. Nothing mm-hmm. is a substitute for that. So, you know, if yeah, it came yeah. down to a situation, Robin, where someone said, well, I can do either the certification or coach real people, hopefully the certification includes real coaching. But putting that aside for the moment, just coach people. Don't let it be mm-hmm. one or the other. Mm-hmm. Look, I think the thing is, if you go if you go to a school that has been set up by an educator or someone who has a good background in training and development, then ideally the course should be designed around practice and skills, not around certification. And look, this is another this is another issue that's happening. And I think the ICF are probably heading in the way that this it sort of encourages it more with they've brought some new guidelines in that you have to submit an oral exam now to to go for your PCC. So in the past, I think it comes into effect April this year. In the past, if you went to an accredited a school that had an accredited program and you did your requisite number of hours, so for example, PCC it's 125 hours and so many hours coaching. So you've ticked those boxes, then you could apply to the ICF to get credentialed and they would also just tick a box because the program you went to was accredited. If you go to the ICF without having done an accredited program, and that happens sometimes, like you might have done another program that is a coach training program, but it's not, it doesn't have ACTP status, then you have to apply to the ICF through what they call the portfolio track, which means the onus is on you to prove that the course you did maps against their competencies. And it's a much longer process. And you have to sit an exam. Now, what they're doing from April onwards this year is that everybody who goes for PCC has to sit an exam. So it really doesn't give a lot of benefit. It really means that the ACTP status is probably worth a little bit less than it was. Mm -hmm. But also what it does, in my opinion, is it starts to create courses that are designed around the credential, not around the skills. So what I mean by that is... I've seen an increase in the number of courses when you go and look online at coach training schools and you click on their curriculum tab. I've seen a number of courses that are just basically a copy and paste of the competencies of the ICF and they're set up in exactly the same way. So you have to do an exam, an oral exam, and they're really just prep courses, like those courses you can do if you're trying to pass the the ESL language component for a certain country so you can get a visa. You know, there's a lot of those courses that will prep you on the exam. And that's what I see happening to training, which I really I don't like that at all, and mm-hmm. it also happens in other areas. What I would like to see happen, and ideally what a course should be, 
is that the course should be authentic and valuable learning in the first instance. Thank you. In the first instance, you look at the student, you look at what they need to learn, and you create authentic and valuable learning. And then you look at your competencies for whatever body you've decided to align with, and you make sure they map across. And if they don't, you tweak them a bit. And even, before I get off my soapbox, even assessment should be like that. So at ICA, for example, we look at our assessment and we assessment should not be just for the sake of passing a competency. An assessment task should be something that adds value to that coach on top of passing the competency. So an example is we have coaches do a research paper, we have them create their own coaching model, and then we look at how that maps against the competencies and we make sure that it maps across. But what happens is our coaches leave the program with something of valuable in their hands mm. that they can actually use. And they're not doing a test for the sake of doing a test. I can't stand the test for the sake of the test. Mm-hmm. I'll step down. No, that's great. What do you think is the future of this conversation? Where are we going as far as, you know, is it going to get more and more smart to get certified? Or is it going to become less and less important? Well, it seems to be becoming more important. What I, what I wouldn't want to see, though, is that the credential be becoming less, holding less value. So, you know, it would be really good if, I don't know what's going to happen, actually, once this, new, once this gets put into place in April. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely see some changes. And the other trend that's happening as well that I'm noticing a lot is that we have a lot of coaches coming now who are already experienced coaches, So not only are they experienced consultants or managers or whatever, they've also been coaching for a few years and they decide they want the credential. So this is an an interesting case too because you have students coming in who want the credential but they already feel like they're coaches and they already feel that they know quite a lot of the stuff and in many cases they actually do. So if I could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the ICF, it would be their policy on RPL, Recognition of Prior Learning. And this ties into, I know you'll agree with this, because the IAC, which I think is the body that you helped set up, was that mm-hmm. the IAC? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's based on proficiency. So if, you, if you're proficient, if you are competent, you get the credential. And it's not about you have to have done so many hours training. So there's two things that if I could change with a magic wand, the ICF, one would be, the requirement of number of hours is sort of a bit outdated because if I learn fast, then I shouldn't be penalised and made to sit through another 60 hours of learning because there's a number of hours. That's the first thing. And the other thing is their RPL policy, recognition of prior learning. So at the moment, the ICF doesn't recognise prior learning. So if you already have done training, perhaps you've done perhaps you're a psychologist, for example, so you really will have done active listening if you're a psychologist, then you probably shouldn't have to do that module again. And universities do lots of RPL. Like you can come to university and say, look, here's my credential, here's what I've already done, and they can tick it off. And I would love to be able to do that. We get a lot of students now that are already coaches and they have expertise, and I could do a little RPL assessment with them, which would take an hour or two, listen to a bit of their coaching, and I could actually say, right, we're going to give you credit for this this unit, this unit, this unit, and that unit, because you're clearly already competent. So now you just have to do 75 hours, and then you can get your certificate. So you can't do that at the moment with the ICF. 
Yeah, that I, I, you were right. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) And, and wholeheartedly, I, I, I think it's, unfortunately, I think it's just undeniable that it is slightly antiquated in that way. And I know it's not an easy thing to contemplate changing. It's, it's a real beast. I would not Mm -hmm. want that job. And, you know, my my hope and faith is that it is actually underway, that there's some movement within ICF that is, you know, endeavoring to to move in in this more modern, Mm -hmm. you know, science-based, you know, actual Mm -hmm. learning-based direction. I guess the issue for them, one of the issues is, and maybe this is not such a big deal now as it used to be, is that you do get a lot of people coming who think they already know what coaching is because they're a psychologist or a teacher or a, a health professional. But actually, you know, coaching is a different, it's a different methodology and they sort of don't. They maybe do a bit, but actually they need to do a little bit of unlearning first and yeah. then learn again. So I think that's one of their issues is that how do they, how do they assess that? And you leaving it up to the school's, I can see why that probably is tricky as well because you would have to then have some quality process in place to make sure that the schools knew how to do an RPL assessment. It's very, very challenging. But you know what, Mm. let's use this platform to you know, really call it out. It's I do think that as time goes by, if we look into the future, it, it we will at a certain point be challenged as a profession on the basis of the foundation of how we certify and how we are not certifying. Um, yeah. I do think that it's it, it you know, I'm I'll be the voice because I'm the one in the position to be able to say and observe this that, you know, coaches who are not necessarily the best coaches are getting the certifications mm-hmm. coaches mm-hmm. who are awesome coaches are failing at the certifications and well there's that as well mm-hmm. oh don't don't even start that one at the high level at the mcc level yeah we've had two i know two people who are really really good coaches and they've failed on their first time round for mcc i i don't know what do you I, say i well i think that it's exactly what we've been saying is that we need to not rest on this like well we have this machine it's running coaching i think has an incredibly bright future and we still have is yet to tap into all of what coaching as a software for human existence um mm-hmm. can do i don't see a new technology a new software a new thing mm-hmm that is is going to continue to help us succeed and thrive as human beings that's superseding yeah. coaching so really it it's it's up to us you know leadership in the profession to yes. think about these things and hopefully the podcast has illuminated a little bit of it and we'll be interested in your so. opinions and I, I think it's also you know the the schools can do a lot as well to try and cater for, for different student types with different types of courses. So the, the student type that I was talking about just then who are already experienced and they might have done 60 hours even of training somewhere else, we now have an advanced bridging program for those students. So they just come in and do 70 hours. Now they still have to apply via the portfolio track to the ICF, but at least they don't have to do the fundamental what is coaching, active listening mm-hmm. modules. So there's things that the schools can do. And look, it's the, look. that's the problem with big organisations like the ICF and big accrediting bodies. There's never a perfect, 
it's never perfect. There's always problems. It was like yeah. that when I worked in adult literacy and the, the frameworks. We were always complaining about the frameworks. But at the end of the day, you've got to have some frameworks. Yeah, agree. And, the, and all so I that's ask, why. Yeah. yeah. Well, all I ask is that we acknowledge that let's not stay still. Let's not have stasis. That's all. Yes. Yeah. But Robin, let's like. Rah, rah. Yeah. What's going on in your world? Because I know part of the fun of these Coach Street episodes is to hear what's new and exciting. Are you yeah. still in a heat wave? <laughs> <laughs> no, luckily we survived the heat wave. We've just been putting a lot of effort into our coaching tips videos, which you'll see on our, our website and we're sharing them more on Facebook. And you know what? They probably look, they're only three minutes. They probably look pretty easy, but it's been amazing teaching some of the staff and coaches here at ICA how to use video because I don't know if you know this, but my first degree was in filmmaking. I had no studies. idea. <laughs> there you wow. go. So it sort of comes easy to me, the technology bit and the you know video and audio and stuff. So I've been teaching the staff how to get good quality video, which, look, we could even do an episode on this because it's not that difficult, but so many people don't know the fundamental things of sound, lighting and framing. Mm. So I've been teaching that and we've been getting these great little coaching video tips published with transcripts and summaries and very, very cool. And people are loving them. So that's that's what we've been up to. Mm. I'm so excited. I think that's a great topic. And then, of course, as far as what I'm up to, I'm up to something new and exciting with you guys. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I don't know what's doing. kosher to share or what's good to tease with. So do you want to trot out a, a little sort of... Let's let's tease with business building coming your way soon. And coming I mean, I have... Way. Yeah, I'm just thrilled. I couldn't be happier to... Yes bring, you know, what I have, you know, for what I have to, you know, mm -hmm. help uh, ICA students to, you know, make their vision of a great coaching business come true. And, you know, you just tell me where to show up and crack the whip. I will, I will salute. <laughs> I will ask how high to jump. Well, hopefully by the next podcast, we can share more details, but all I think we can say at this point is the motivation behind this is, you know, for many, many years, we've looked at this, this issue of business building at ICA and, looked at what other schools do and some schools actually do it themselves which we did do a couple of times but in the end what we've decided to do is focus on our core business and what we're really good at and we're really big at acknowledging expertise and that's what we're really good at and what we've decided to do instead is partner with the best business builder of coaches in the world drum roll <laughs> which I happen to believe is is you so that's that's where we're heading, and I reckon we can share some more details coming up. It's an honor, really, and, um, yeah. you know, looking forward to getting to know, hopefully, many of you. I believe strongly that a business is really a work of art, especially mm -hmm. for a coach, and it can yeah. be built in a way that really suits the shape of your soul and your values yes. and be a, a mighty contribution to the world. So stay tuned until next time. And don't go looking on the ICF website for competencies related to business building. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. It's always fun. Thank you. See you next time. If you want to become an accredited coach, drop Robin a line at robin at coachcampus.com or visit www.coachcampus.com. 
If you want to build your own successful coaching business, drop Andrea a line at andrea at wealthythoughtleader.com or visit www.wealthythoughtleader.com. Did you find this podcast helpful? Swing by iTunes to let us know your thoughts. 